0: This week on Mind Matters, more with Ron Deal. A
1: mind is a terrible
0: thing to waste.
1: You cannot define yourself in reference to other external
2: coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! I'm sorry?
0: Stop it! Stop it? Yes! S-G-O-P, New word! This week on Mind Matters, it's time to turn down the noise and listen to what really matters. Join counselor and author Rita Schulte and me, Richard Beatty, in renewing your mind because your mind matters. So come on in and join us. So what would
2: you say that adults need to understand about children in step families? I mean... Kids need a lot. And we've talked gamut of different ages and situations. W- what do kids need?
1: Yeah. Here's one of the one thing. Um, motivation. Let me talk about motivation for a minute. Motivation to love. When man finds woman <laughs> and they fall in love, and okay. the reason there is a blended family to begin with is because I've fallen in love with this person. They fall in love with me. We want to be together the rest of our lives. Great. We're now inviting everyone else that comes with us, kids, former spouses, former mother-in-laws, everybody, to figure out how we can all be connected somehow as a a family, extended family. And and so we're inviting everybody else to figure that out. Now, the couple is highly motivated to figure this out. They're in love, they wanna be a family. Obviously, that's what's making all this happen. So their motivation on a scale of one to 10 is a 10 defined family as I like to call it, familyness, But kids are something less than a 10. Now, some kids are a nine from day one. Super high motivation. Love the new step-parent. Can't wait for you get a, I got a brother. I've never had a brother before. This is great. Some kids are nines and eights. Uh, most kids are five, six. Every once in a while, you have a kid who's a teenager or 19 and basically headed out of the house and not really interested in new Home relationships, I'm trying to grow up, you know, get on with life. They're like a three or a two. Uh, and and it, within a sibling group, if you have three kids involved in this step family, you might have one that's a nine, one that's a five, and one that's a two. And so for the step parent, how confusing is that? Like, I don't know how to bond with what kid. How do I do this? You know, I got one kid who's saying, yeah, come on, be my be my mom. I got mm-hmm. another kid who's saying, get out of my face. I don't need you. Like, what a weird experience.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: And by the way, if that step parent has children of their own that they brought in, their experience with their own kids is clear love, acceptance, embrace. You're my mom, nothing, I never changed that. Even when you make a mistake, you apologize, I take you back. We love each other. We're family. Like there's clarity in some relationships and there's ambiguity in others. Mm. That is part of the confusion and it's part of the challenge to figure out how we maneuver. So we want to say to the adults, you're highly motivated. They're less than your level of motivation. You've got to try to meet the two child at a two. You've got to connect at that level and not expect anything more than a two. Well, that's so hard. You, I've got to be at least a seven so that they'll come up to a three. Yeah, I don't know that. You know. Give that a try. But if that doesn't work and it backfires, then you need to back it down to a two. You meet them where they are. You meet the five child at a five level, you meet the nine child at a nine level and you don't look back with the nine because that's great. with the two, you gotta start with where they are.
2: Yeah, that's a great analogy absolutely
1: it's How a little bit it's a little bit like making a new friend. you know if I invited you to go make a new friend, uh, here's a stranger. <laughs> they live two doors down from you, just moved in. you know, go be nice to them. Well, if you wanted to make a friendship you wouldn't go and bang on their door and scream at them and tell them that you're their new BFF. They just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. That's not getting you in the door. That's getting the police called. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to meet them where they are. You knock and you wait and you allow them to greet you in a way, in a time, in a manner that is suitable for them. Okay. That's one Oh one. How do you bond with a stepchild? And, and here's the thing, Rita, that with a child who's a two or a five will likely be years. I'm not not a mo- not a month, not six months. It will likely be a year's process to where you feel like we're finally getting someplace. Well, and so patience and perseverance are really important.
2: Yeah, that's a great word, Ron. Because I think, especially for women, they expect things you know yeah. really quickly to happen, and I just want this you know, beautiful thing that I had envisioned in my mind. And now, you know, this didn't turn out like I wanted. And it's easy for people to start building resentment. And so do you oftentimes, because, you know, then the marriage gets strained. Do you see a lot of that? And then what do you do? Do you suggest, you know, individual therapy for a wife who's just really angry or resentful that the new husband isn't stepping up to the plate? She's got to work that out somewhere. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I actually do training for therapists who want to know how to work with step family, uh, step family couples and families better. So what I would recommend is you start with a couple mm-hmm. um, because we're going to be sort of, you know, massaging their expectations of one another, of themselves, of the whole family unit. But I'm not going to try to couple in children yet. Um, that's uh, honestly, it's too fragile I don't want to put a step parent and a step child in a room and have them argue with each other and get mad and yell because they already have a fragile relationship. We don't right. want to make it worse. And So we're going to start carefully with the couple, and I'm going to try to build them up, bond them, get them seeing the vision of how we maneuver through this, How what the role of the step parent needs to be, what the role of the bio parent, here's how you be a team together. Okay, let's unpack what's already happened. Let's figure out how the path forward, and then we'll make some decisions about who next to involve the older children are the more i think they need to have a say in the process because they care deeply about what's going on with their life and their family and you know you asked the question earlier and we kind of never got to the second part but it it comes back to loss what else is going on with children i want the adults to understand how kids are still carrying sadness from however it is they got here you know it's still there dad died uh, guess what? They still miss dad every single day. Uh, mom and dad divorced. Guess what? They still miss mom and dad and the family every single day. They still have to deal with the aftershocks of that massive earthquake. 10 years later, they're going to two households and they forgot the math book at the other one and their life is complicated and they got a bad grade on the math test because you divorced 10 years ago. Like this is the ongoing loss narrative of their world. And if you forget that, then you inadvertently step all over their feelings and their heart and they feel so alone in their sadness. You gotta figure out ways of connecting in when you see the sadness, of bringing it up, of helping them to grieve forward. And that is a family journey. Often the biological parent is the one who can really minister to their kids in that way. But I even want the step parent to at least be aware of it. You know, Mother's Day rolls around and you're the stepmom, Say to your kids, ah, oh, my goodness, I just put this together. Mother's Day, Sunday, you're going to be with us. You're not going to be with your mom. Oh, my goodness. If I were you, that would just stink. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. It is what it is. The plans are made. But my, I just want you to know I see that. And I see that that's probably hard for you. Uh, I'm wondering if we can figure out a FaceTime. Can I arrange with your mom for you guys to be able to connect? Can we... See what you did in that moment is you said I see you your pain Absolutely. your pain matters to me and I, here's the most important part of that read it the, the implicit message to a child is i am not competing with you and your mother mm-hmm. you and your mom is a good relationship i applaud that i am not getting in the way of that i am a bonus person in your life not the replacement parent in your life Very important. Now a child says, oh, you're a safe person for me. You're a respectable person to me. You get how important my mom is. Uh, I just moved a little bit closer to you because of this.
2: That's beautiful, Ron, because I think as I counsel teens, what I see is I was just on with somebody uh, this morning I feel invisible. I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I don't feel understood. Mm -hmm. And I think the grief piece never goes away. That's right. Whether, you know, you've lost a parent through death or divorce, whatever, it's always there. And kids, it's harder for kids to find a place to put that in developmentally until they're older and they can think more abstractly. Right. But it doesn't go away. So I think for uh, the biological well for both of them to really realize that and to give voice to that and validate the child in that way is huge.
1: Mm-hmm. And really, again, think of it from a from a redemptive uh, standpoint. When we and I'm I'm using this word intentionally, minister to our children that are grieving. Over time, we help them move through grief, not over it. They never get over it. They mm-hmm. move through it in a maturing sort of fashion that ultimately might take them to a place where they trust god more deeply with their life where they where they have perspective about the world and how things really work and they don't you know sadness and depression over unexpressed grief doesn't turn into drug abuse or something you know even worse and so my goodness that's helpful that's important it grows children up and they have a better chance at lifelong relationships when they become adults as a result of little things like this,
2: yeah, because we know we're facing a loneliness epidemic in our culture today, and especially for teens. And my heart is just, you know, it's just tearing at my soul mm-hmm. uh, that these kids are so lonely, linked with depression, high rates of suicide, and this is certainly one place where children, uh, if this isn't done well. Yes. Uh, Can have just this huge, deep, abiding sense of, I don't know, you know? And who is this person now in my house?
1: And we don't want that. Right. You know, I, again, I feel like um, uh, the blended family world can be a positive for children long term. People need to recognize that initially it's hard on them, and there's transition, and much of it is unwanted for kids. Again, uh, I'm including adult children when I Mm -hmm. say kids. And unwanted transition always brings some measure of loss with it. It just is what it is. And so, given that reality, you don't want to uh, leave them lonely trying to deal with all of the unwanted transitions. You want to engage them in the midst of that. And I think ultimately it can be something that helps grow them up, help to mature them. But you've got to be really intentional about that.
0: You're listening to My Matters with Rita Schulte. I'm Richard Beatty, and we're talking to Ron Deal today. And uh, Ron, uh, you're, you serve as the president of, of Smart Step Families and director of Family Life Blended, which is a division of Family Life. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the workshops that uh, that you have coming up, and uh, and and some of those ones that you do periodically. I, I saw something on demand.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. So I've partnered with a group called the Step Family Network and we have uh, recorded a video series for couples that you can just simply watch on demand on your time. Uh, you can go to smartstepfamilies.com, click events and find that and many other things that we're doing live streams, uh, live events that people can attend. Uh, it's all there.
0: Run uh, for the uh, for the listener who is is hearing some of these things, I know here in Colorado uh, in Denver, uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, great ministries that uh, that deal with uh, blended families and step families. Uh, I'm wondering with the way the culture has changed, uh, whether that's been through politics or whatever, um, how uh, and are you dealing with uh, same-sex marriage couples? Is that another complication that is in this, uh, in this, uh, in this mix?
1: It, it sure is. It's part of the reality of our world. Uh, One of the things that we're trying to do is bring a a Christ-centered biblical perspective to family life. And so there's some things there that we would want to address with that. But one of the uh, anecdotal or ancillary sort of topics there is uh, more and more people are saying to us, well, uh, my first marriage ended because my former husband came out gay, for example. Mm -hmm. he's now living in a homosexual relationship in the other household my children are moving back and forth between our home is trying to teach um kind of a christian worldview and they're living something very different in the other household how do we help with that how do we think about that what's our role as it relates to forming character and virtue in our children Uh, those are common questions that we're hearing more and more and so we're trying to give shape to that dialogue and help people understand. By the way, it's not just um, you know that sort of a, a gay lifestyle, for example, in the other home, but it could also be you know my former husband's a drug addict, and you know we're worried about his behavior. Or over there, they just worship the Almighty video game, and you know it's just it's a very different climate, and what they value is different than what we value. What do we do? Um, by the way, the kind of a quick response to that would be. You know, all of us as parents, no matter what kind of family you're raising your children in, have a day where we quote, send them into the world, where we know they're going to engage the world, whether it's on their phone or in junior high or whatever it might be. And the world is going to have influence on their heart and their life. And so we're trying to prepare them for the day when we're not able to, you know, put a buffer around them. Well, you just happen to be thrown into that much sooner because your children are moving back and forth into a home that doesn't share your same values. And so you have to equip, you have to teach, you have to help them understand why you don't let them watch R-rated movies all the time. Why why you make the the decisions with your money that you make such that you're hoping that they will hold that value with them when they're in an environment that lives and breathes and teaches something different. What you cannot do, what you should never do, is belittle the person that they love your dad is a horrible person because xyz spell out whatever it is that they that he does or lives that you don't like never do that that's not loving your neighbor Mm -hmm. number one that's not godliness and by the way your kids will smell that out in a hurry and if you're being a hypocrite with what you do versus what you say I'm not sure they're going to catch your values at the end of the day. So you want to be genuine in your heart and love and encouragement of them, the child and their relationship with the parent and the other home. But you're also wanting to equip them with a biblical worldview as they try to enter into that life.
0: I appreciate yeah. that answer, just mainly because you know it is um, it's, uh, unfortunately it 's the elephant in the room sometimes, and uh, I think uh, sometimes as Christian broadcasters we don 't ask those questions because we don 't want to talk about these things mm-hmm. but uh, I, I I knew you would, <laughs> so that 's why that 's why I, uh, why I brought asked. it up and uh, i I appreciate it. i mean everything gets to sound like a it sounds like a word problem uh, you know in a math book sometimes. <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, that's gone horribly wrong. Sometimes when you read, uh, when you, when I, w- I was sitting here listening to these stories and I was like, oh my, this is like, it, it's, it, it's like, a, it's like algebra. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and you know, here's the thing I want I'll just remind your listeners about, uh, pick up your Bible and start reading the family of promise. Pretty much everything we've talked about is found in the old Testament starting with abraham and their families those are family systems that were complex blended families of a different shape and color yes because jacob had four wives and he really only wanted one of them and his favorite son came through uh rachel not through any of the other wives and his favorite son was joseph but joseph had 11 brothers by all he had 11 half brothers a crazy chaotic step family in which only one was favored and that created all sorts of animosity and so when the day comes that Jacob gives Joseph a coat. That's the final straw on the camel's back and his brothers are ready to kill him and sell him into slavery. This is a dysfunctional blended family. This is nothing new. I kind of think Jesus had a stepfather. You know, just think about it for half a second and you'll understand what I'm talking
0: about. Rita, any uh, any final thoughts?
2: No, just uh, get this book and take advantage of all these resources. This is uh, wonderful. And Ron is graciously. No, I think it was great. Ron, Mm. thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. You are so wise in all of this. And I know people are going to benefit from it.
1: Mm. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Ron Deal dropped by the studio and that was, uh, that was great, um, on Mind Matters. Uh, we are, uh, out of time right now. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I want to also let you know that Rita Schulte, uh, is, uh, uh actually uh, going to, uh, form a nonprofit organization, uh, called Mind Matters. Uh, and it, it will be actually Sound Century Presents mind matters and uh, if you would like to give to her ministry uh, I would uh, highly recommend uh, doing that go to Rita Uh there's a page there uh, on on the uh, on the broadcast uh, page uh, and you can get all the podcasts and everything else there uh, as we uh, as we're coming to the close of the new year I thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you need anything from us, please uh, just uh, just get on Rita's website, uh, Rita Schulte. That's s c h u l t e dot com. I'm Richard Beatty, and I want to thank uh, every one of uh, you. Uh, we're very thankful for you. And as we get into this Advent season, I hope that uh you find hope uh in uh in the things that you've gotten from Mind Matters and the ministry of Rita Schulte. Deception, denial. We hear it, we think it, and we find ourselves in a toxic pool of negative thinking.
2: Everybody out of the pool. Deceptive thoughts take root in the mind and you've got to change the physical nature of where the brain goes and redirect your thoughts to good. How? By noticing, paying attention. It all starts in your mind. You can buy index cards and write down positive thoughts. Focus on what is good, beautiful, and worthy and think on these things, not on those things. The brain has a system of checks and balances and reorganizes on what you think. When you name the deceptive thought, you can eliminate it by replacing it in your card file by a better thought.
0: So if I think that I'm not good enough or smart enough to be in the job I'm in,
2: then think of a time you creatively contributed to someone's life. Write it down. That integrates right and left brain. Think of a time you creatively contributed to someone's life. Write it down on your index card. And each time you think that you're not worthy, write down the truth about why you were born for such a time as
0: this. Think this, not that. A renewable resource from Mind Matters. Go to RitaSchulte.com.
2: Now this is a troubling mind, which I do have. I've got lots of trouble. (laughs) Long ways from home, too, I'm thinking. And I'm worried. in my I'm blue But I won't be blue always You know the sun gonna shine In my back door
0: Hey, everybody. Richard Beattie. Uh, join us next week on Mind Matters. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the best shows and uh, the the most meaningful shows as uh, voted by you, the listener. And uh, we're going to be talking uh, and doing co- uh, kind of a compilation of those shows. Uh, you'll hear from Uh, a lot of the greats, like uh, Dr. Gary Chapman on The Love Languages. And uh, during this season of Christmas, uh, you can hear all kinds of things. Uh, We'll also get a little bit more on Rita's story and uh, what we're about to do in the second season of Mind Matters. Uh, We're about to go into the second season and also uh, get you more information on the podcast's renewable resources, Rita's books, everything else that you can possibly get uh, from uh, Rita Schulte and Mind Matters. Uh, this is Richard Beatty. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of Advent, actually just the beginning, where we're hopeful. Uh, we are uh, at peace. Uh, we are learning to love one another. And that uh, we will experience joy at Christmas. I'm Richard Beatty. Have a wonderful uh, season, and uh, we'll see you next week.